start us up and um, okay, so we prayed and now we're going to uh, move more into the practical aspects of disciplining your children. Okay, remember the goal, success, that our children would grow up to lead lives fruitful and fulfilled in their relationship with God and man, apart from their parents, while still maintaining a loving relationship with their parents. And you know, I added this last thing on when I was uh, involved in the university ministry, because I noticed some non-Christian parents had better relationships with their adult children than Christian parents did. And one of the reasons was that these non... not That's not universally true, but I did notice it. It was happened enough that I noticed it. And the reason was that the non-Christian parents many times are... Um, better at letting go than Christian parents. Now the reason they're better at letting go is their standards are so low. That's, uh, so they're not worried. No. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. They just, they did all this, they, did, they made all the same mistakes their kids were making and a lot of them, they don't even consider them mistakes. I know I observed that at my 50th reunion. If you ever want to have to develop convictions on the entangling nature of sin and how helpless people are in their sin, you should have come with me to my 50th reunion. Uh, uh, Clear Creek High School at that time was one of the premier high schools in Houston. Astronaut kids with, went there. All the NASA engineers and uh, uh, ancillary uh, companies, kids went there, uh, national merit scholarships, the majority went on to be engineers, lawyers, doctors, professors, and uh, 50 years later they're still doing the same dumb things, they're just educated and wealthy. But no real change in their lives. So, but that's, uh, uh, that's one reason that uh, Non-Christian parents find it so easy to let go because their standards are low. But even as Christians, we have to be parents, we have to be willing to let go of our kids as they get older. So we want them to be fruitful. By that, uh, we want them to be well-educated and be able to get a, uh, a job where they can live independently from us. We want them to be fulfilled. We don't want them to look back on their childhood and say, I was just one big project. But we don't want them to be fulfilled and not fruitful. And we don't want them to be fruitful and not fulfilled. We want both. We want it in their relationship with God, in their walk with God, in their relationship with man. And we want them to eventually do this apart from their parents, but have a loving relationship with us. And the main way you accomplish that is that your children don't look back and think, I was their success project by which they lived their life through me, but rather 
At one time or another, all my children have told me, you know, Dad, um, you know, we know you weren't perfect, you didn't do everything right, but one thing we never doubted is that you loved us and you wanted us to be successful. Well, that covers a multitude of sins. That does. So in this section, we're going to look at the progression. Each is necessary to build upon the other. Uh, Our children, when they are small, when they are young, uh, ideally before they are two, have to learn to submit to authority. As they learn to submit to authority, they can bring themselves under self-control as well as under the control of their parents. Having done that, we can teach them wisdom and life skills. Now that's the, uh, the kind of focused work aspect, but children who have wisdom and life skills can draw near to their parents. Uh, we can draw near to them through play and affection. We can draw near to them by helping them to be a success. But if they are not willing to submit to authority, if they don't have self-control, if we don't develop in them these basic wisdom and life skills, we'll never really be close to them because their, their foolish actions will always cause them to reflect Well, how did that happen? How did I get in an argument with my mom? Why? How did we all of a sudden come to blows? Not physically, but emotionally. Why why can't we communicate? And they don't really understand what's happening. But it's that foolishness at work within them. So we're going to learn how to specifically how... uh, to discipline the children, we're going to have uh, generic guidelines. We're going to give you some uh, suggested levels of discipline with the rod and with non-rod. We have to remember this is not Pavlovian. What is Pavlovian? Uh, 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 pa- uh, Pav- Pavlov was a Russian... Um, scientist, and he did stim- he did stimulus response uh, experiments with animals. Yeah, he was ringing the bell to get the dogs to drool. Yeah, or shock them. Or shock them. Yeah, different things. He could teach chickens uh, to feed themselves. Uh, uh, the communists loved him because they used his Pavlovian. Uh, a process for brainwashing and mind control and so but that's not what we're doing it's not Pavlovian there is a period in um, discipline that is a window of opportunity and you can't go back uh I had a minister friend who was convinced that he could still spank his teenage boys, and they ran away from home. He's lucky uh, he lived 30 years ago, or uh, the uh, uh, 
health uh, and human resources uh, department of the police would have come and separated them from the home. You can't spank teenagers. Both scripturally, psychologically, it doesn't work. There's a time when discipline ceases in terms of the physical rod, but not in terms of discipline. So this is your window of opportunity. Once it's closed, it's closed forever. We also have to remember that expecting good behavior is not the same as making your child grow up too fast. That's different. And a lot of people who associate being a child with being uh, rebellious. And that's not true. We are uh, also, it's not true that uh, rebellious behavior is not indicative of intelligence. A lot of parents tell me, well, you know, my child, they live in this ethereal reign. You know, they're so uh, level above all the other normal kids. They're so gifted. They're so talented. That's why they get in trouble at school, because they're bored by all being around the peons. Well, that's not true. Gifted and intelligent children can learn self-control. In fact, they should be better behaved than other children. Remember, our child is not Rousseau. Rousseau was a French philosopher who believed that all children were blank slates. And their behavior was 100% indicative of their environment. That a good mother and father had happy children, bad mother and father had sad children. It was 100% environment. Of course, that's not true. We also have to remember that if we don't train our children... Society will do it in a far harsher manner. Uh, we had a couple in our church who just, they just refused to spank their kids. And they said, see, you know, they're in school now and now they're, the teachers say they're so well behaved. But the teachers were using humiliation, uh, loss of privileges, uh, uh, chiding, nagging, yelling peer pressure, those are really harsh. Or you can wait for the state to do it. I had a pastor who was a non-resident father, and he just waited around till the sheriff got a hold of his kid. He could go to jail or go to the Marines, so we went to the Marines, and the state straightened out his behavior, but there was never any character transformation. So, three basic goals of discipline. The first one is submission to authority. Now, I have seen bumper stickers that say question authority. I, uh, uh, both uh, Eleanor, when she was teaching, had parents come in and Eleanor would say, well, one of the reasons that your child has bad um, conduct marks and is having trouble in school is they're always questioning authority and the mother looked at Eleanor and said oh yes, I question authority and I've told my child question authority always question authority 
Well, Romans 13.1 says, Let every person be in subjection to the governing authority. For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. And if you teach your child to submit to the authority of the institutions in which they find themselves, their life will be much easier. By learning submission to their parents, a child will be able to fulfill their responsibilities well, to school. The Bible says, with good will, window service as to the Lord and not to men. And they'll learn to function under the authority of school and work hard to do well in school for the Lord. For government, Romans 13, 2, therefore he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. Spiritual authority, Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. And the home, the husband is head of the home, uh, is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. And then Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So it's very important in this first area that our children learn to submit to authority. And we would teach them. I will obey mommy quickly the first time. I will obey daddy quickly the first time. And moms and wives should take note. Children learn best by modeling. Don't expect to receive genuine submission and cooperation and respect when you don't model this in your relationship with your husband. I hear this all the time. Oh, Brother John, pray for me, Pastor. Oh, pray for me. I don't know why my children talk back to me. Sometimes I'm talking to them and they just walk away. They roll their eyes. They speak sarcastically with me. Sometimes they just walk in their room and slam the door. They're always correcting me. I don't know why that is. But the majority of these mothers do know why that is. Because that's what they do with their husband. They argue with him. They correct him in front of the children. The children go to sleep at night and they hear their mother raising their voice at their husband. Uh, She corrects his driving. uh, Corrects him in public. Uses sarcasm. They just learn from the master. Why should they treat you any different than you treat your husband? And the husbands also should take note. If you're criticizing your government, if you're criticizing your pastor, if you're criticizing people at work in front of your children, if you're disobeying the traffic laws, if you're cutting corners in every way that can be imaginable as you model being a Christian gentleman in front of your children, then don't expect them to relate to authority any differently. They learn, they want to grow up and be just like that. So, submission to authority is very important. Uh, Eleanor and I had a rule. We never discussed school or church in a negative way in front of our children. Never. Because we wanted them to be respectful. 
Now, we might uh, discuss it privately with ourselves as we try to make decisions, but never in front of our children. Submission to authority. Self-control. This is both in the body and the spirit. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself will be disqualified. Proverbs 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Proverbs 25.28, like a city that is broken into and without walls, so is a man who has no control over his spirit. And so the fruit of the spirit of self-control is a virtue, just as not being able to control your body and your spirit is a vice. It's the key to social success. Our children could decide. They could decide between right and wrong. They could decide to cooperate. They could decide to get along. They could decide not to talk back. But most children take what they can get without thinking. And they can never figure out why socially they live on the margins. Scholastic. Uh, We would teach uh, Sam to concentrate on what is being said and look teachers right in the face. And Sam has told me many times that when when a teacher is instructing him, that when he's uh, uh, looking at the teacher in the face and taking notes and concentrating, that the teacher begins taking a special interest in him. Now, I, I uh, I do this at conferences and churches. I'll be looking right at the speaker, right in the speaker's face and taking notes. And it doesn't happen every time. But I've had all of my pastors in many conference speakers single me out and thank me for taking them so seriously. Because because people don't. They not only don't take notes, but but they don't concentrate on what is being said. There were two girls sitting in front of us in church Sunday and um, we uh, we were sitting in the back. We usually get in late because I'm a Sunday school teacher and people are staying around asking questions and the, the back rows are kind of empty at that time. And they were both sitting, uh, we don't have pews, we have um, kind of like um, movie theater seats on a basic level, level, padded theater seats. And they were both sitting sideways dangling their legs into the seat next to them. They were taking notes, but uh, just kind of sprawled out. What, what does that communicate to the speaker? It's the key to personal purity. Your children need the ability to control their personal impulses. It's the key to marriage. I don't know how many couples that Eleanor and I have counseled that are having problems with their marriage, and the root is they have no self-control. Either in anger or pornography or greed. 
they can't not buy things, and so they're always running out of money. They can't control their tongue and are always saying hurtful things. Or the uh, uh, or the husband uh, can't keep off pornographic sites on the internet and his wife is angry and resentful. That all links back to the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Next, we want wisdom and life skills. In Proverbs 1.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. So we want our children to be wise, we want them to be discerning, to receive instruction in what? Wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. We to give prudence. That's uh, moral discretion to the naive, to give the youth not only knowledge but also discretion. We want some life skills so that they can behave well. A happy home where you can enjoy your children the way you thought you would. You thought you would go to the park and have a little picnic and play with them and then push them on the swing and then take walks with them. And the wife thought she could go to um, uh, Sophia's tea house and have uh, a quiet little outing with the children or go to some place other than a uh, fast food place where the children scream and yell behind a plexiglass wall and throw themselves in urine-soaked balls and try to break things that are indestructible. The foundation for this is laid in the discipline process. And um, it's important, Stephen, to to raise your uh, boys as boys, But Robin, your role there is to raise Christian gentlemen, and so they need you. uh, You do. You are not cheated out of going to a a tea shop with the boys and them learning how to sit still and behave properly in a uh, in a quiet restaurant like a little tea shop or a little cake shop. They need to know how to behave like that. That's a great gift. When uh, uh, Sam was at the university, uh, University of Texas celebrated its 150th anniversary, every dormitory and every college sent one student to represent that dormitory or that major to sit at the president's table at the at a banquet, and Sam was chosen. Well, that was a gift I gave him, because the head of the residency uh, program knew that Sam could keep his room cleaned. He knew that Sam could uh, speak articulately with authority. They knew that Sam knew how to groom himself and present himself in public, and they knew he didn't eat like a slob. Well, that was half me, but the other half was Eleanor. 
And so you want your children to grow up to be gentlemen and know how to treat a wife properly. They learn that by the modeling of the father, but they also learn that by their mother spending time with them and uh, doing what I would call some sophisticated behavior. Not just going to football games, but going to a ballet or some arts presentation. Not just going to the uh, shooting range, which Sam did, but also going to the art museum. Uh, Not just going hunting, but, but also learning to cook and to iron his clothes and to present himself properly. So uh, uh, Robin has an important role to play in the life of the boys. Doesn't, uh, but I know uh, friends, and they're, uh, all they have are boys, and the wife is just pretty much frozen out. But that shouldn't be that way. She should just she can, should get just as much alone time with those boys, and those boys where the wife is frozen out have a rough, uncultured, um, provincial air to them because they lack their mother's input. In fact, let's look at. Uh, I'm not going to run this into the ground because we have a whole section on this. But let's see if I can find this verse. Robin, turn to Proverbs. Um, Let's see here. I think it's Proverbs 10. Okay. Let's look at Proverbs 10.1 and also Proverbs 13.1. So Robin, read Proverbs 10.1, please. A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. Okay. So a wise child makes the father glad. But a foolish child brings grief to his mother. So Robin, you don't want that to happen. And so your investment in these boys is valid. uh, uh, Robin, read Proverbs 13... One. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Yes, uh huh. So that's important for you, Stephen, that your sons are willing to listen. They're willing to uh, listen uh, and receive instruction, and that's one of the ways. Uh, that's, that's one of the ways they will be uh, a blessing to Robin. Huh? Robin, read Proverbs 4, verse 3. Um, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother... Yeah, so there is that relationship between a mother and a son, tender in the sight of his mother. And it's, Robin, it's very important for your boys to grow up hearing and feeling and having you express their tender, your tenderness towards them. 
and for them to develop not a feminine side, but that they would grow up to be Christian gentlemen. So that's important. So, it's our child's success. Submission to authority, self-control, wisdom, and life skills. So what are we looking at when we talk about that? First is instruction. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, what is that going to look like? We're thinking about our children's success. What is that going to look like, your instruction of them? Not just spiritual instruction, but academic instruction too. And as my children got older, they got beyond me in certain things. Algebra. Chemistry. Trig. Calculus. And, but we hired tutors to help them. What I couldn't do, I hired someone to do. Sam uh, was having trouble uh, uh, batting, so I took him down to the batting cages and I hired one of the baseball players from Oklahoma State University to help him with his batting. I didn't know how to teach him batting. Training. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we want to instruct them. That's the academic. But we also want to train them in life skills. Stephen, you'll be able to train your boys in a lot of things that I, I was never able to train Sam in. Because I'm not a hands-on mechanical type guy. Discipline. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Do not hold back discipline from your child. Although you beat him with the rod, he will not die. You will beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from Sheol. So we're going to instruct, we're going to train, we're going to discipline, and control. 1 Timothy 3, 4. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control. Now that's talking about you controlling your children, isn't it? We, we looked earlier about the ch child exhibiting the fruit of the spirit of self-control, but also God has an expectation of y'all as parents that your children be under your control. That their behavior in public and in the home reflects you, not them. Most parents instruct. They're pretty good at that. Some train their kids, usually not in spiritual areas. Um, uh, mothers will teach their daughters, some mothers teach their daughters how to cook and sew. Some fathers teach their sons how to hunt and fish or change tires and work in the yard. Few parents discipline. And keeping a child under control is considered dysfunctional, isn't it? In our society, is the phrase a controlling parent a vice or a virtue? If you hear somebody say, well, that parent is really controlling, is that, are they praising that parent? It's not a compliment. 
No, but it is in God to God. And we have to remember that. See, these are not optional areas of parenting. This is what we signed up for. Instructing, training, discipline, and control. So, what are some do's and don'ts of discipline? What are some do's and don'ts? One thing we want to do is we want to make sure all rules are clearly understood. And remember, we are going to instruct, discipline, instruct, restore. That's very important. We're going to instruct, discipline, instruct, restore. So what are we going to do? We're going to make sure all rules are clearly understood. That's instruction. Specific guidelines for specific infractions. This is heavy stuff. It shouldn't be arbitrary. We all know the frustration of having teachers or employers who evaluate the exact same thing differently depending on their mood. Isn't that frustrating? You turn in a paper, you get an A. You do the same quality, the next week you get a C. You do a certain level of work, you get praised. Another time you're ignored. Another time they're yelling at you. You never know how they're going to respond. So we want to make sure the rules are clearly understood with specific guidelines for discipline. We do make sure all the principle is enforced and not merely the literal interpretation. So we're going to discipline all the gray areas. Children are masters of twisting the laws to their own purposes. And so the objective is not to train a child how to get as close to the edge as they can without going over the edge. The objective is to teach them not to go near the edge. Why do some men, when they have their bird dogs out in public, their bird dogs will stay right with them and not go tearing off? When they're at the home, their bird dog will just sit at their feet without going tearing off. But their children... They're always chasing their children around and worrying that they're going to disappear. It's training. You're exactly right, Robin. It's the time they spend training. And to tell you the truth, I want to tell some men, you need to get rid of that bird dog so you can spend more time with your kids. (laughs) Not, Not all men are that way. We had two dogs that were well trained and children that were well trained. But if you have to choose, you want to choose your children, not your bird dog. And I don't know if you have a bird dog, Stephen, so I'm not picking on you. Yeah, we have a couple of bird dogs. Oh, do you? Okay, well, anyways, that uh, that wasn't singled out for you. I wouldn't say that they are that well-trained either. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have one of our children, and uh, we had a little coffee table, you know, a little low, I uh, put... Um, coffee table in front of the TV and uh, Sunday night Eleanor would make homemade pizzas and we would watch a 
Disney movie or something like that, uh, age appropriate, and uh, have a beanie weenie pizza. <laughs> so um, this child was about two and a half, three years old, and we said, don't touch the pizza. And the child went right up and touched the pizza. So what did we do? Discipline, instruct, uh, instruct, discipline, instruct, restore. Then we sat the, stood the child in front of the pizza and said, don't touch the pizza. And so the child reached out and touched the aluminum foil that the pizza was sitting on. So, you think, well, we didn't say don't touch the aluminum. No, no. Is it a good wisdom and life skill to receive an instruction and then extrapolate out the variances and make good, wise decisions based on that? Yeah. Is it a good wisdom and life skill to spend all your life saying, but you didn't say this, you didn't say that? So no, I wasn't going to allow my children to force me when I give them instructions to think through on every variation, every exception, make a list of 30 things. Don't touch the pizza, don't touch it with your finger, don't touch it with your toes, don't bump up against it, don't touch the crust, don't touch the aluminum foil, don't knock it on. I'm not going to say all that. Right. Just say don't touch the pizza. That also means don't go near it, because if you're near it, you're going to touch it. So we instruct, discipline, instruct, restore. Stand the child in front of the pizza and say their name. Don't touch the people. Pizza. The child slapped their hand down on the coffee table. We disciplined from that. Instruct, discipline, instruct, restore. Don't touch the pizza. The child took their nose and touched their nose to the table. We disciplined for that. Then, don't touch the pizza, and the child went, okay, and just went and played in another part of the room till it was time to come eat. So, you disciplined all the gray areas. That's why your life is going to be simple and pleasant. Because not only is disobedience wrong, but challenging your authority is wrong, and finding out for themselves if they can wear you down is wrong, and seeing how close they can get to sinning without actually sinning is wrong. It's just wrong. So discipline for them. Drive out the foolishness. We were having Bible study, and we said, okay, kids, uh, well, you can play in the playroom, but no running and shouting. We're having Bible study. Well, they put together a little band, and we're marching in circles uh, with the girls uh, play pots and pans, banging them together. Well, I went up there with a wooden spoon, and the oldest child said, we weren't running and shouting. We were marching and banging. No, I disciplined them all. 
Because when I say no running and shouting, I don't want to say and no banging, no banging pots and pans, no banging on the wall, no jumping up and down, no fighting, no making a lot of noise, no making a little noise, don't, no turning on the TV and blasting it, no blasting your Christian radio, no shouting at blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I just say, no running and shouting. And then they have to figure it all out or they get spanked. And they figure it out really quick. It's funny how actually crazy intelligent they are. Yes, they are. And they know exactly what they're doing. So who's training who? That's the question. Are your children training you? Are you training them? This means we discipline both verbal and nonverbal responses. I would tell the children, look me in the eye, and I would tap the corner of my eye. When I'm instructing them, I want them looking right in my eye, and if they don't do it, they get spanked, because they're disobeying me. And they have to look at me respectfully. My mother would say, don't you dare look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> she knew what I was doing. We know what they're doing. Don't, don't allow your children to manipulate you. Well, I didn't say. Well, I, I you know, no, looking, uh, once you've told your children when you're instructing them they're to look you in the face, then that's the standard. Teachers will tell the child, when, we, when you take a test, put your name at the top right-hand corner, and your period number. John Mayen, fifth period. Well, you get a uh, D, automatic D on your test, because she couldn't figure out which John Mayen you were. Well, she could, but she's just not going to say that every time, is she? Yeah. She's going to tell you once. And you can do this with your children. You can tell them once, and that prepares them for success. Don't allow your children to throw things at you, to run away from you, to hit you, to go limp. Nothing. So make sure the principle is enforced, not just the literal interpretation. So do. Do defer to the stricter, more consistent parent. Uh, we had some friends where uh, the uh, uh, the mother was stricter. The dad came home. He didn't want to discipline the children. He just wanted to uh, play with them. But it was the mother who was stuck with the disobedient, rebellious behavior of those children and paid the consequences. So you respect her decision. I have a friend who is a minister who had three boys he ruined. He did everything correctly in the area of positive reinforcement. But he could not bring himself to discipline those boys and say no, and he ruined them, all of them. Make your goal immediate obedience on the first command. Remember, you're disciplining your child, not vice versa. 
You can't be frustrated with your child if he obeys on the third request, if that's the way you train him. I will obey mommy quickly the first time. That's what you train them to do. You say you, they can't hear you. We had something, it was called a remedial auditory enhancement tool. And it helped the children hear more clearly. It was called a wooden spoon. Why when you shout at your child they don't across the room, they don't hear you, but you whisper to your wife, want to get ice cream after dinner, and all the children are immediately in the living room yelling ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. It's because they're hearing what they want to hear. Don't allow your children to train you. Uh, uh, when Sam was in elementary school, he and his uh, little friend were playing with Legos. I was uh, sitting up uh, at my desk doing some correspondence. I had the door open where I could keep an eye on them. And their mother came, I heard their mother come to the door, and she yelled, Hezekiah, time to go. So Sam began putting up the, his toys. The, uh, they were either Legos or Hot Wheels. And the little boy didn't. And Sam said, don't you have to go? And he said, no, not till she stamps her feet. And she went through this whole ritual. Because I decided, I'm just going to watch this play out. You got to go. Then she begged, please, uh, uh, mommy has to get going. Daddy's going to be coming home. We need to finish fixing dinner. And then she clapped her hands and said, I'm getting really mad. And finally she stamped her feet and said, I'm coming to get you. And he hopped up and ran down. So who was trained? She was. Yeah, she was trained. So who's training who in your home? Most children are very manipulative at making their mothers feel guilty and training them. We sat at church in the back when I wasn't on the preaching rotation so I could take the children out to the restroom and spank them if they wouldn't sit still. When we were shopping, Eleanor or I would stop what we were doing, go back out to the car, discipline the child, then bring them back in and finish shopping. We're Eleanor is always reminding me that it is not philosophical, but just a lot of work. And that's why parents don't discipline their children. So we defer to the stricter parent, and we make our goal immediate obedience on the first command. Number five, do. We work from an agreed-upon plan with agreed-upon long-term results. It's very important to be in agreement. The father says, time for bed. The child runs to the mother. She says, oh, you're so strict. Let her have a little fun. Don't be so harsh. And the child looks right in daddy's eyes as the mother holds her. Don't do that. The mother says, no candy. You did not eat all your lunch. The child runs to the daddy, crawls up into his lap. He shares some of, the, some of the candy that he's eating with the child. 
and the child looks right at the mommy as she eats her candy. Don't do that. You have to be the mature one. You don't get your love and affirmation from your children. It's all right for them to love and affirm you, but you get that from the Lord and your spouse. You have to be willing for your children to be unhappy. If you are not willing for your children to be unhappy, you will fail as a parent. Because if your job is to keep your children happy, they are in control. Because they will decide what makes them happy. Your job is not to keep them happy. Your, cho- your job is that it will be well with them and they live long on the earth. Your job is their physical and spiritual well-being and their educational and spiritual success. That's your job. Sometimes they'll be happy, sometimes they won't. Uh, Eleanor and I were at theater recently, and um, it was a man, a woman, and I'm presuming they were married and that was their child. And they sat down, and the father wanted to put the child in between him and the mother. So they, they went in, and the child immediately sat on the other side. And uh, uh, finally, they, I could see them arguing. The dad walked out around the back and came down the other side, so he could sit next to the child and as soon as he did the child jumped over to the other side and the mother just cooperated with this Uh, do not think if you're playing favorites that you are going to have a happy pleasant relationship with that child as you grow over older no the father's favorite is his wife the mother's favorite is her husband your children, you love them all equally, you discipline them equally. Number six, work on one area at a time, not everything at once. And remember I told you about Arab World Ministries? How I, uh, I told them, now don't do this all at once. Wait till you get home, think through on it. And then we were walking down in the cafeteria and a room full of little British children looked up and, the, and one of the little boys pointed at us and they all got quiet and he said, that's him, he's the one. So, so talk through this, pray through it with your wife, don't just go crazy. Uh, crawl or toddler would be one thing at a time. From three to six years old, you could work on two things at a time. Elementary on up, you might work on three, but that's max. Get one down and then add something. One down and then add something. Just like learning mathematics. Just like learning algebra or geometry. Just like learning any basic skill. Before um, Eleanor and I 
even had children, we discussed and decided based on our observations and experiences. We uh, decided that we wanted our children to do well in school. We had some friends uh, who had some... I thought I had erased these. Well, anyways... Uh, I guess I didn't. We had some friends there. Uh, they were extremely intelligent, both of them. He was a university professor. But their ch children did horrible in school. And that's because they acted in school the way they acted in home. We wanted our children to be able to have a ministry in the home. And Eleanor had a number of friends whose children, uh, preschoolers, would not allow them to have a Bible study in the home. They would just act up. We wanted the, to take trips and outings. And I knew friends who said they dreaded all year the Christmas drive or the holiday drive. We looked forward to it. Now, uh, two hours into it, I might have to pull over and spank all the kids, but then they would be nice for the next six hours. And it was really pleasant. We wanted our family to be an example in the Christian home. Uh, I was amazed when, we, when our children were uh, teenagers how many uh, kids in the uh, youth ministry said, we didn't know that parents, uh, that children of ministers were active in church. What a horrible testimony. No, our children were always very active in the youth ministry. Uh, we had some uh, internationals over. They were uh, Baluchistanis from Pakistan. And they said, hey, we didn't know uh, uh, ministers' children were well-behaved. All the missionaries we met, their children were wild. What a, what a terrible testimony. Prayer time should equal ministry time. A good friend, Dave and Shirley Sneller, told me that one of their earliest mem memories was getting up and... Uh, going to use the restroom or get a drink of water and seeing their parents on their knees praying for each child by name. We establish a relationship based on time with the children that will weather the storm. This is, discipline should be at the exception rather than the rule in the relationship. The relationship should be so firmly fixed that discipline is a blimp on the screen. Unfortunately for many children, the only way they have of guaranteeing parental involvement is by engaging in disobedient or antisocial behavior. So, how do you get around that? One is, the father comes home at night. I had a friend, Guillermo, uh, he was an engineer. When they would get close to ending a project, he sometimes had to work 12, 16 hours a day. 
and his wife would, uh, he's sharing with me, the wife and the children were getting resentful. And I said, well, what time do you come home at night? He said, well, about 10 o'clock. And I said, well, I can understand that. What time do you go to work? Nine. So you put in, uh, you work from nine in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. That's 13 hours, right? He said, yes. I said, okay, I want you to work from four in the morning till five in the afternoon and then go home. So he did. And it was harder, but that's, you know, we're the husbands. Now, there are some people, uh, military men, some uh, policemen, law officers, uh, some people who are in construction and repair work, and that is their career. Their wives knew that was their career when they married them, and it's unfair to be resentful if they're doing the best they can to make a livable wage, but they have to work extra hours. But what I find is most wives of policemen, most wives of military people, uh, first responders, or most wives of people who are in the um, construction business where they're on emergency call. When we came home from the mission field, uh, we got in in August about uh, 10 o'clock at night and the AC was off and it was about 90 degrees inside our house and the AC had gone out. I was really appreciative that our AC guy came out and had it going by 1 in the morning. Now we paid through the nose for it, but <laughs> I, you know, if you're in Houston in August with no AC and you're dead tired and you've walked in, uh, from uh, being uh, traveling for 36 hours to have the AC guy come out and fix your AC, you're really appreciative. What I find, though, is that wives are understanding of that. What they don't understand is when their husband is not on night maneuvers, when he's not, when he's not working the graveyard shift, when he's not out on an emergency call, and he can come home and doesn't. That's where husbands get into trouble. We had family nights. Friday night was family night. And we would play games. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. But Friday night was family night. Uh, evening dinner. Uh, we would have a sit-down dinner together. Uh, we were helped them with their uh, career decisions I made based on the family and I never made it today I live at a lower standard of living and don't make as much as men my age that I went to school with or in church with I'm 70 this year most of my uh, uh, friends from college and at church began retiring in their 50s late 50s and by 65, they're almost all retired. I'm still working. Now, I love my work, but I also have to work because I made career decisions where I made less money. We, uh, we live in a house in a neighborhood where most people who live in these homes consider them starter homes. We have one used car. We don't take vacation to Switzerland like some of my friends do. 
We many times have staycations. We took family vacations together. I did morning devotionals with the children when I could. Sam grew up saying, you know, Deb, we're best buds, friends to the end. And that's the way it should be. Do use a stroke when disciplining your children. Proverbs 20.30, stripes that wound scour away evil, and strokes reach the innermost parts. And express confidence. There's no need for a false guilt. False sorrow. I never cried when I was spanking the kids. I never apologized. In fact, on more than one occasion I said, you know, this doesn't hurt me a bit. It's good for you. I've got all night. Just decide when you're going to obey. No. <laughs> we can pick up again in the morning, but we won't. I, if I can spend a night in prayer, I can spend a night spanking you. Well, we're going to stop here. I hope these do's were helpful. They are. So, these are the do's. Next week, we're going to look at don'ts. So let me write 11.30 right here. That will be next week. We'll look at don'ts. Can you expand on one point for us? Yeah, we're going to stop and do question and answer now. This will be applicable. So um, I wanted to know what your uh, expectations and rules were for road trips. Because we are going up to visit Sam and Ann. Okay. Hey, every year, I, I was committed to know it for my children to know their nieces and nephews. So uh, you were, you may be too young to remember how we used to come up to y'all's house every year. Oh, I, it's some of our fondest memories. Yeah. Well, that's a long drive. Yes. So here's how we took road trips. First thing is, I, um, Eleanor and the children are the weaker vessels, so I paid the price. So we would leave for Colorado at 2 or 3 in the morning. And then uh, uh, they, the kids would, uh, if we drove, um, if the first leg of the trip was 12 hours, then we would be stopping to spend the night somewhere around 3 in the afternoon. See, that wasn't hard on them. And if we had to drive through the night, if we had to drive straight through because we didn't have the money, about a third of that trip they were asleep. So that's, that's one of the things we did. The second thing we did was we tried to interject some fun things on the road trip. Like uh, we would stop and uh, at a roadside park and cook hot dogs and let the kids run around. We would stop periodically. Uh, uh, Texas has a lot of roadside parks and things like that, and we could pull over and 
let the kids run around a little bit, use the restroom, and then go again. It wasn't just go, 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 go. Uh, we had, uh, I would put together a little uh, Walmart bag full of fun little things for them to do on the trip. Uh, I don't know if they, they used to have Christian comic books. They used to have little games they could play and things like that. So we would do that. So we did some things to make it kind of fun. Then, uh, before that, we would talk with them, though, before the trip, about behavior. Make sure they understood that. And sometimes when it's, you're getting ready to load up on the car, load up the car, they're already disobeying. Go ahead and jump on that. If they're whining and complaining, and uh, well, go ahead and discipline them. Get the foolishness driven out before the car pulls out of the driveway. Then you can do some fun things along the drive. We would play games, sing songs. When, uh, when we would play the alphabet game of looking for letters of the alphabet, but they're, if they're too young for that, you can look for animals. And I would actually make up a little sheet. Sometimes it would have stickers of animals on it, things like that, and uh, or a sticker sheet with animals, and when they were too little to write, and they would see how many animals they could put on it, looking for license plates. We would sing hymns. Have uh, sing-along um, a flash drive or a CD that they can sing with. And so we were trying to do some fun things like that on the trip. Just think ahead. But the big, but what we we had zero tolerance of them being mean to each other, poking each other, yelling at each other, or fighting. <laughs> so as soon as they find out that every time that happens, you're going to pull off into a parking lot of a fast food place and they're going to get spanked. You're going to instruct them, discipline, instruct, restore, and then you're going to start off again. So it doesn't take very long till it's just not worth it and they're not going to be foolish. And we would have snacks. Now, if you've got a little iPad or something like that and you want to let them watch a Disney movie, to me, that would be all right as one of the slices of the pie. But I didn't want my kids uh, watching a Disney movie or checking out with their headphones for the trip. We wanted to be interacting and talking and laughing and telling stories.
things like that. So it just takes some planning. Now, you guys have to use car seats. Yep. We, we didn't have to do that. We had, a, we had a station wagon. I just put the, I got a car top carrier and put all the suitcases on the car top carrier. And we put the back down on the station wagon and turned it into a little play area. Well, you can't do that. But that doesn't mean that your children have to act up. Everybody has to learn to be self-controlled and submit to authority. Okay. Now, Sam and Ann every year have driven to Minnesota to see her parents, and then they drive to Houston to see us. So here's your homework. Robin, you call Ann and ask her about road trips. And Stephen, you call Sam and ask him about road trips, and then y'all compare notes. But to tell you the truth, if I'm on a long airplane ride, if they if they strapped me in the airplane facing backwards, and I just had to sit there and stare, I would get a little cranky too. So, uh, so yeah, having having pre pre plan for success of your children, reward good behavior, discipline behavior that is not leading towards their success. So, if you want to stop halfway through at um, Dairy Queen or McDonald's and get a little treat, do that. Don't allow their bad behavior to cheat them out of a fun time together. So discipline their disobedience so that you can still stop and share an ice cream cone. And don't say, one child has, has acted up and so you say, well, we just won't stop and get ice cream. Well, that's not fair to the other child, is it? So you just discipline that child and you still get to have fun ice cream time. I wasn't going to allow my children's disobedience to cheat me out of enjoying them or to cheat Eleanor out of enjoying them. So we discipline them. So, uh, Stephen, look at Proverbs 31. Proverbs thirty one twenty eight. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also Okay, so that's your job description that your children will be a blessing to Robin. It should be fun to go on road trips, it should be fun to eat dinner together should be fun to go out and have ice cream together. I mean, that's a foolish child that you're going to take them, the parents are going to spend a, a, a segment of the evening or afternoon or morning with them and go do something special with them, and they're fighting and whining and running around. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's just foolish, and that cheats Robin out of enjoying the children. And cheats me out of enjoying them. So I wasn't going to allow the children to cheat themselves out of a good relationship with Eleanor and I. But I also wasn't going to allow them to cheat us out of enjoying them. We have four children. We would have liked to have had more, but had to stop for health issues with Eleanor. But if I had some of the children that I see in our church, I could understand why these mothers only want to have one child or two child. I wouldn't want to live with them anyways. And I can see why the mother wants to stick them in daycare and let them make someone else's life miserable. But we didn't raise our children that way. So we really enjoyed our children and missed when we weren't with them. So you can too. So, great question. Now you know your homework. <laughs> yes. All right. Any other questions? Okay, great. Well, we'll see you next week. We'll see you on the 30th. And we'll continue looking at some of these practicalities.